Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 26 of Revelation chapter 21. We're going to be reading verses 12 through 14. And had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates, And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. I'll stop reading there. Now again, this is speaking or describing the holy Jerusalem, which is a city that is built up of everyone that God has saved. And we saw that the wall points to salvation. The gates... Point to Christ, who is the gate or the door. And we also discuss how the Word of God, the Bible, itself presents numerous entry points to the kingdom of heaven. And and so the number 12 identifies with fullness of what's in view. In this case, gates. The fullness of the pathways that God has established through his Word. But also we can understand that it's speaking of the fullness of Christ himself as the only way to heaven. And it goes on to say, And at the gates twelve angels or messengers, and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. So there's twelve gates, and... Twelve messengers. And they're not angels. It's speaking of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. And it, it tells us that there's names written on the gates. So, so there's twelve names written on the twelve gates. And uh, again, the number twelve concerning the angels or the messengers and number twelve concerning the children of Israel points to the fullness of all those that God has saved. Now, the um, gates, having the twelve names, which identify with the children of Israel, is spiritually representing the, the names of all those that God has saved, written upon the Lord Jesus Christ. For instance, in verse 14 of this same chapter, And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. So in the wall, and what does the wall point to? Again, salvation. Thy thy walls are salvation according to Isaiah. And in the wall of the city, there was twelve foundations. What is um the city built upon what fa- what is its foundation it is only jesus christ 
That's what God said if we go back to 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, beginning in verse 9, For we are laborers together with God, ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building, according to the grace of God which is given unto me, as a wise master builder. I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. The only foundation the Bible allows for God's building and and God's construction, as we read previously in Hebrews 11, um, the heavenly Jerusalem, that city whose builder and maker is God. And the city that is comprised of everyone that God has saved has one foundation. Just as there is only one door to heaven, there is none other way to gain access to the kingdom of heaven but by the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh to the Father but by him. And yet God speaks of doors plural. There's one foundation, and yet, uh, again, here we're reading of twelve foundations. And the reason for this is that the number twelve points to fullness of whatever is in view. This is the fullness of the rock of that foundation, which is Jesus Christ. Uh, everyone that is saved, that became a part of this city, is built upon the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and none other. Now, as we uh, read again, the twelve gates, at the gates, twelve messengers and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. So this verse tells us that the names of the twelve tribes of Israel are written on the twelve gates. Verse 14 tells us the twelve foundations of the wall have the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And we've seen this uh, previously in the book of Revelation, where God is seated upon the throne and and he has 24 elders round about him. In Revelation chapter 4, in verse 4, round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And those 24 elders, clothed in white, are pictures of those God has saved. The, the white raiment is the righteousness of saints, the crowns of gold is a, a spiritual illustration of the crown of salvation. And there's 24 of them because 12 tribes of Israel, 12 apostles of the Lamb, 24 elders in total. And these 24 represent the sum total of everyone that God has saved. All the saints of the Old Testament, beginning with Abel, and all the saints of the New Testament to the last one. Everyone to be saved 
has been saved. And when we see the 24 elders, or when we see uh, 12 gates having the names of the 12 tribes and 12 foundations having the names of the 12 apostles, that is language that is indicating it is everyone in the whole history of the world from the very beginning in the Old Testament to the end of the world or to the end of God's salvation program, which took place on May 21, 2011, all are in view. It is the fullness, which 12 points to, of the believers. And they have their names written on the gates because the gates point to Christ. They have their names written on the Lord Jesus Christ. And and likewise, they have their names written on the foundations. Again, the foundations point to Christ. But they, they have their names written on the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, it is uh, a similar idea to what we find in the book of Exodus. If we go back to Exodus chapter 28, and God is um, having made... Uh, a couple of items for Aaron, who is the high priest of Israel, the first high priest. And and Aaron, uh, being the high priest of Israel, is a type of the Messiah, type of Christ. And it says in Exodus 28, beginning in verse 9, And thou shalt take two onyx stones and grave on them, that would be to write on them, the names of the children of Israel, six of their names on one stone, and the other six names on the rest on the other stone, according to their birth, with the work of an engraver in stone. Like the engravings of a signet, shalt thou engrave the two stones with the names of the children of Israel. Thou shalt make them to be set in alches of gold, and thou shalt put the two stones upon the shoulders of the ephod for stones of memorial unto the children of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before Jehovah upon his two shoulders for memorial. Aaron will bear the names of the children of Israel. Now that we don't think of it here too much because the garment's just being made, but as the names of the children of Israel are upon his shoulders as he goes in in the future about his priestly duties, his high priestly duties. Once a year, the high priest must enter into the Holy of Holies and and um, with the sacrificial blood and, and sprinkle the blood upon the mercy seat and What's inside the, or the mercy seat, which covers the ark, and inside the ark is the Ten Commandments, the law of God. And here comes Aaron, the high priest of Israel, with the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. And, and he's bearing their names, pointing to the Lord Jesus bearing the sins of his elect people, whose names were written in the Lamb's book of life. And and Christ bore your name and my name and the name of everyone that he ever saved 
or intended to save all through the history of the world when he died for sin at the world's foundation. He was the lamb slain. And at that point, he died for us so that it was like our blood was shed in him. And that's why God says in Luke 11 that all the prophets whose blood was shed at the foundation of the world, because all the prophets and all God's people are prophets, your sons and daughters will prophesy, pointing to all of the Lord's people will speak forth, declare the word of God. That's the character of a child of God. All the prophets, not some of them, but all of the prophets had their blood shed. The Bible says that the foundation of the world, some people try to change that. They they don't like what the Bible says. And just as they don't like that the Bible says, not not um, e-Bible ministry, or, or not Mr. Camping or me or any individual, but the Bible says the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. They don't like that idea because they're stubbornly set with in the understanding, no, Jesus died in 33 AD. That's what I've always thought and that's what I learned. And, and who doesn't know that? And, and, and so I'm going to hold on to that no matter what the Bible says. And the Bible says, no, he didn't make payment then. He, he died as a lamb, the offering of God for sin at the foundation of the world. And the works of Christ for his people were finished at the foundation of the world. The blood of the elect predestinated before the foundation of the world was shed at the foundation of the world. Now, I've mentioned that a few times. Let me just quickly read it in Luke 11. It says, beginning in verse 49, Therefore also said the wisdom of God, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they shall slay and persecute, that the blood of all the prophets, which was shed from the foundation of the world, may be required of this generation. Now, there's more involved with this verse, but the statement is plain. The statement fits the other statements. Uh, Revelation 13.8, that Christ was slain from the foundation of the world. The works were finished. It, it fits the Bible perfectly that at that point we died in him. As Christ died, and, and by the way, in the Bible, to shed blood, the spiritual definition of, of dying or giving up your life would be to shed your blood because the life is in the blood. Christ didn't literally shed blood at the foundation of the world, but he did give up his life. He died, and and therefore the life is in the blood. It says, though he shed his blood. It, it just basically means that he gave up his life. 
And we in him also shed our blood. We died. And, and that's why it says the blood of all the prophets, not, um, some. And it wasn't spread out over time. The blood of all the prophets was shed at one point, the foundation of the world. And the only way that can be true, the only way that can harmonize with all the other biblical information is when we understand that that's the point of the atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then everything falls into place and harmoniously fits together like pieces of a puzzle. And uh, getting back to our present study and, and the names written on the gates or the names of, of the 12 tribes or the 12 apostles written on the foundations of the wall of the city. And, and here we find in Exodus 28, the names of Israel are written on the shoulders of the ephod, but also a little um, further on. It says in Exodus 28.15, another garment is made, and thou shalt make the breastplate of judgment with cunning work. And down in verse 21 of the same chapter, and the stones shall be with the names of the children of Israel, twelve, according to their names, like the engravings of a signet. Everyone with his name shall they be according to the twelve tribes. And finally, verse 29 of Exodus 28, And Aaron shall bear the names of the children of Israel in the breastplate of judgment upon his heart when he goeth in unto the holy place for a memorial before Jehovah continually. Aaron bore their names on the breastplate, and and that covers the heart, but God, of course, uh, has something else in mind. He's painting a picture, and it's a beautiful picture of the great high priest, the high priest after the order of Melchizedek, Jesus himself, who bore the names of his people upon his heart. Do you ever wonder why God speaks of a broken and a contrite heart he will not despise. We read that in Psalm 51. And sometimes we we misread it and we think, oh, we have to have a broken heart before God will accept us. And that's not the case. You know, you can, you can hit rock bottom in this world and some people have. And, and they're homeless or they're in poverty. And yet they could be as proud in heart as anybody else as as the person who has um, lots of money and, and lots of earthly things. They're not broken in heart at all. And and it's impossible for uh, afflictions or things of this world to break the heart spiritually of a man. No, God doesn't mean that when he's referring to a broken and contrite heart. Let's let's look in Psalm 51. It says in verse 17, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, 
thou wilt not despise. Okay, did you hear it? Did you hear the first part of that verse in Psalm 51:17? The sacrifices of God, the sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. That is telling us that it is the sacrifice of God that God accepts. And that sacrifice was the breaking of the heart of God, the breaking of the heart of Christ on behalf of his people. Why? Well, Aaron bore their names upon his heart. Christ was bearing the sins of his people upon his own heart or his own soul. That, that's what we read in Isaiah 53. And, and keep in mind in the Bible, heart, mind, soul are all synonymous. They're synonyms. In Isaiah 53 verse 10, yet it pleased Jehovah to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul, or we could say his heart, his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of Jehovah shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. It could just as easily say he shall bear their names, because what is our name as a sinner, as as a fallen human being? What, what what name do we carry but the name of a sinner? And, and we have multitudes of iniquities. And so when Christ bore the names of the children of Israel or the apostles of the Lamb, he was bearing their sin in his soul or upon his heart. And here's what um, the Bible tells us happened in... Uh, Psalm 69, and, and Psalm 69 is the Messianic Psalm. It says in, uh, verse 9, For the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up, and the reproaches of them that reproached thee are fallen upon me. That's, that's Jesus speaking. The reproaches of them, those sinners, that that God has determined to save, he's predestinated them, dirty, rotten sinners, to become saved. And so their sins, which are all an offense and an approach, a reproach against God, have been laid on Christ. And therefore, their reproaches that have reproached God are fallen upon him, And then look in verse 20 of Psalm 69. First, let me show you how uh, it's obviously a Messianic psalm. It says in verse 21, They gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. And that clearly is um, language which identifies with the cross. Well, in the previous verse, verse 20, Reproach hath broken my heart. 
I am full of heaviness, and I looked for some to take pity, but there was none, and for comforters, but I found none. Reproach, that earlier verse in of Psalm 69, verse 9, the reproaches of them that reproach thee are fallen upon me. And as a result, reproach hath broken my heart. The sacrifices of God, and, and that's a, another proof verse that tells us Jesus is God. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. And then what does God do in salvation? He takes out the heart of stone, the arrogant, proud heart of man, and he instills the heart of flesh, a new heart and a new spirit. And that heart is patterned after the heart of Christ. And that's why the Lord says of David, he is a man after mine own heart. What kind of heart? Broken. Broken. Yes, the believers are broken in heart, but but not because of our sin, as though our sin finally we we see the evil of it and and just how bad we are and 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 our grief and our sorrow finally leads us to to the breaking point. That'll never happen. But after God does the work of salvation, after he um changes our heart, makes that heart transplant, we receive at the very beginning of salvation the spirit after God's own spirit, the heart after Christ's own heart, which is broken and contrite, and the evidence will be submission, humility, a desire to do the will of God, no more proud and arrogant, no more stubborn and rebellious from heart because the heart has been cleansed and made new. And so the language of the names written on the gates or the names written on the 12 foundations really points us to the names of God's people that were written on the heart of God himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the wonder of the Lord Jesus dying for his people. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.